0: Hey, thank you for being here this morning. Everybody got here safe, and the ones who stayed home, Lord bless them, amen? And it was almost like a perfect storm to sleep in this morning, right, because of the time change. Everybody feeling really awake and alive, because you can't go to sleep now. I know you might be tempted to, um, but I've always felt this about people sleeping in church. It's a good place to sleep. So I'd rather have you sleeping here than somewhere doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Amen? So, thank you, Lord. Lord, let's just take a minute. I wanted us to, to pray for anybody who's sick. Uh, I was asking the Lord to, during the ministry time, like, Lord, I, pray, I hope somebody wants to pray for, for the sick, because I was really been aching in my hip over here all the way down my leg for the last couple of days. And, and Marlon uh, felt like he wanted to pray for me. So I was really happy about that. So I want to pass along the, the love. Does anybody in here uh, need prayer for s- illness or, or pains in your body? Would you just stand up right now? We're going to lay hands on you and ask the Lord to do what he does. Now, does people standing. Y'all, let's give them all a chance to stand. Thank you for standing. Now, anybody who's standing, please go and lay hands on them and ask the Lord to heal them and touch them. And release his release his anointing, the healing anointing of Christ. Lord, we just release that healing anointing of Jesus Christ into this room right now. We declare it in this room, Lord. We're not just asking for healing. We're declaring healing, Lord, because the Bible says by your stripes we are healed. And so, Lord, we pull, we pull on that healing, we pull on that anointing. We pull on the finished work of the cross this morning. We pull on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven flowing into this earth right now to heal and save and deliver lord do it do what only you can do lord lord we're doing our part you do your part we're putting our hands on declaring healing now you release it lord you do the healing lord you're the healer heal lord heal heal and set free thank you lord i also feel like the lord wants to i love that that healing of faith Let's just ask the Lord about that one more time. If, if you feel like in you're in the arena of a faith, I think that's important that you have felt wounded in the, in the area of faith. Maybe you stepped out and believed God and fell into an abyss or something. I think most of us have done that at times. But anybody, raise your hand if you feel like you need your faith. There's an area of faith you, you'd like the Lord to really touch you. And just, okay, here's a couple of people. Anybody? No, stay standing up. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. There's a couple of people out here, Becky and Marlon. Well, there's a few other people. Come on, y'all get brave. And, you know, if, if you know, these guys are saying, and I bet you there's some others of you, if you was going to tell the truth and humble yourself this morning, maybe God might help you. Amen. Lord, we just all, like Dean said, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Lord, we've got areas where we've been hurt and disappointed and things didn't work. And, Lord, uh, we're thankful today that we're not accusing you or mad at you. Uh, Lord, we're just saying help us. We don't understand, but do help us. Do heal us, Lord. Do heal us. Cause our faith to arise uh, mm, because you're faithful, Lord. And we declare that faithfulness of you, of your faith, the faith of Christ being released into our hearts, into into the realm of our soul this morning, into our spirit, Lord. And Lord, that we would be able to see by the eyes of the Spirit, and be able to walk by faith and be able to declare and pull things into existence that don't exist. That's what we're, we're declaring about faith. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, that's an important thing right now, I feel. You know, there where it says in Romans where we call things that are not as though they are. That's a declaration. And I think uh, there's an anointing on making uh, prayers of declaration right now. Where you're not just asking, you're declaring things. And the way you do that, you can be assured that if you're praying the word of God over your, over your life, that's a good prayer. And one prayer I've been declaring over myself and my family and this church is uh, in Lamentations 3. Where it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I've been declaring the Lord's faithfulness, the Lord's mercy, and the Lord's love to be manifested in greater ways uh, in my daily life and in your daily life. So Lord, we just declare that today. We call on the mercy of the Lord to be made real to us in our lives, Lord. The faithfulness of the Lord that we've already pulled on. What we declare in the love of God, the revelation of love, the revelation of mercy, the revelation of your faithfulness would be our portion. And we declare that over our families, over our situations, over our work situation, over our finances, over our bodies. We just declare love and faithfulness and mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Another another prayer I think... Always important is Ephesians 1, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to know Christ, and the, for the enlightenment of our hearts, and to know your purpose, to know your calling, to know your identity, to know your value, to know the power of God. So let's just pray that for a second. How many, how many would He, like who would like a light enlightenment this morning? Yeah, that's a powerful prayer. Lord, we just declare that today. A spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Just release that more into us. That the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, Lord. That we would see Christ. We would see the glory of Christ, Lord. We would see our calling. We would see our purpose. We would see our identity. We would see your power at work in our life, Lord. We just declare it today. Lord, we just pull on it today. Lord, I here's what I say. If it's good enough for the church at Ephesus that Paul wrote to, it's good enough for us. If they can have it, we can have it. If they can have it, we can have it. Lord, give us that kind of heart. If you'll give it to one man, you'll give it to another man. If the Lord will give the gifts of miracles and healings and prophecy to one person, he'll give it to another person. And that's how you got to think. You know, God is not a, uh, he doesn't, how, what's that word? respecter of persons he looks at all of us and we're all uh candidates for spiritual gifts spiritual anointing for faith for power to work in our life every one of us and the only thing that really i believe that hinders us a lot mostly is ourselves and so lord we want to get out of the way and let you move and let you work in our lives lord and i do pray lord for every person in this room you know, the last thing I'll share, uh, you know, the Lord really is wanting to reveal himself. And uh, recently, the Lord woke me up and spoke to me. Uh, well, it was unusual how he spoke to me. I'm not going to go into that because it might discourage you. <laughs> In other words, sometimes God speaks something to you, and, it's, and it is kind of a, mis- a mystery, and you had to search it out to find out what he's really saying. But when you find out what he's saying, it could, because there's this there's this uh, scripture that says it's, it's the glory of God to conceal, but it's the glory of kings to search out and discover. And here's what the Lord was saying: He gave me a word, and I didn't know what I didn't. I knew about the word, I guess. I didn't know what it meant, and I discovered the word came from the word Bartholomew. Okay, that's where it came from. Y'all know who Bartholomew is. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but Bartholomew and Nathaniel were the same person. Okay, I don't know if a lot of people know that in the scripture, because if you go and look in the scripture, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they never use the, they never call Nathaniel out. They always call Bartholomew and Philip. But if you look in the Gospel of John, Bartholomew is never used, Nathaniel's always used. And uh, that's just a little bit of thought there, but. What's Nathaniel known for, though? You know, thing about John 151, 152. Uh, you shall see heavens opened, and you shall see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's what the Lord told him. And I feel like that's the inheritance of the saints, that the Lord wants to give us open heaven revelation where we see... Angels ascending, coming to earth and going back upon Christ. Now, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so I began. and that's what I said. Well, Lord, if you gave it to Nathaniel, because I felt like that's what he was saying to me. He gave it to Nathaniel. You can give it to me. I'm a candidate for it. Are you a candidate for it? Anybody? Would anybody really like that? So you got to pull on it. You you know, that's just the thing. That's the way God was speaking is like, this is not going to fall out of heaven on you if you really want it, you pull for it you you go after it, you reach for it, like I had to reach for the understanding of the Word to get you know that got me to Bartholomew that got me to Nathaniel. I had to reach for it, so I believe as we search out and reach for things, we're going to find that God is going to begin to reveal himself to us with the things we desire. I have a huge hunger in my heart for the supernatural okay i don't really have no excuses for that uh if a lot of people are bothered by that, but for me, it's, it's, it's God's world. God lives in the supernatural realm. He doesn't live in the natural realm. He comes in the natural realm, but he's, he's supernatural. He's in the heavenly places. He's a spirit. I, I got this desire for that in my life. I want that to be the regular part of my life. I want to be connected to that world all the time versus being connected to this world. And I think that's how God has designed us to live. And I think God wants to, is provoking people now to tap into the spirit realm because that really is our inheritance. Heaven is not just for when we die. Or Jesus would never said don't. he would never ask us to pray for the kingdom of heaven to be revealed on earth. Right? Are you all okay? I'm just throwing a few things out here. Just to get you thinking. So here's the prayer. Lord, if Nathaniel could see an open heaven. If Nathaniel could see angels ascending and descending upon Jesus Christ, so can I. So I ask you to give me that, Lord, this morning. I ask you to give it to us. Lord, we pull on it and we say yes to it. Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see these things. Lord, give us that ability to see into the Spirit. Hear into the Spirit. And know what you're doing and know what you're saying, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord, even now. We thank you that you're releasing that in Jesus' name. Amen. That's exciting, I think. Woo, mercy, Lord. Now I'm about tired. I didn't sleep good. I didn't sleep enough last night. I don't know about you. Becky went to bed at 1 o'clock, which means she went to bed at 2 o'clock. You went. It, when I, she went to bed. It went real one o'clock. The, what I'm saying is, she woke me up when she went to bed. <laughs> that was really about ba- bad for, that she did that to me. <laughs> you know, after you get sound asleep, and somebody wakes you up, so come in rumbling around, you know, throwing things, making noises, and you know, <laughs> stomping around the room, <laughs> slamming doors, opening stuff banging on the walls. That's what she was doing at midnight, banging on the walls in the house moving pictures. And wanted me to do that this morning with her. I wouldn't do it. I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So that's what happens. It's on the night you're losing an hour's sleep. All right, so I'm gonna read, I'm stopping. Stop. She feels good. I don't feel good. Anyways, Lord have mercy on us, right? Trust me, this is not as bad as it seems. Um, so we've been talking about uh, Elijah and Elisha, or uh, just Elijah, but the last time I talked, last week was great, wasn't it, with John Jenkins. If you weren't here, get, listen to his message. It was just awesome. That guy is such a joy. Um, he's a joyful person, and I've known him. He's always been joyful. Um, I just love that. And so he's a really awesome person, and he really enjoyed being here. He told me honestly, if he wasn't committed to the church, you know, to the church he's in, he would come to this church. Another thing he told me that really encouraged me about our church was a couple years ago he visited here. Uh, he was taking a sabbatical, so he just wanted to come and just be here uh, because he'd never been here before. And um, and he said to me, he said, Byron, there is a marked difference in this church than two years ago. This is a. He said it was. He's. I thought this, it was a great church two years ago. He said, but it's much more healthy now. And God, he said, the spirit of God. He just feels like there's much more of a presence of the Lord here. And I was thinking about my own life two years ago. I was thinking, yeah, because we were really in the. We were still in the process of healing, two years ago. We were really. We were not out of that realm of where God was was healing our broken hearts. Uh, and so it's great when you. You know, because we live in the tyranny of the familiar, because we're we're real familiar. Uh, but he he was able to give perspective, and that that is really encouraging when you're when you can a person can give you perspective about things. It's like seeing a kid you hadn't seen in a while, A little kid, you know. And then you see him like, good lord, what happened? Did they give you Miracle Grow? I mean, but the parents really don't see it. They know they're growing, but they don't really see it. And that's really a and I just wanted to encourage you about that. Anyways, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you were here or not, but we had a I gave the message about Elijah when Elijah was in that cave, and uh, you know, and he had to come out of the cave, and the Lord spoke to him. And the cave, I mean, to me was is significant. Um, it was, you know, I mentioned that the cave was could either be our tomb or it could be the womb. Okay, and for Elijah, it became a womb. Uh, because he was at a discouraged place in his life. He was at a broken place in his life. And he was in this cave, which is, is dark, and it's is confining, it's a dead end. And God uh, uh, spoke to him and called him out of the cave and and gave him uh, revelation for the rest of his life. And so, because see, Elijah had come to a place, and a lot of Christians come to this place where they, they feel like, it's like they're living their Christian life in the rearview mirror. What was... What was behind them was their best. And they don't have a forward vision. And, and so what God did is he birthed this vision in Elijah for the rest of his life. And it, when you read uh, the story of Elijah, you think, uh, you know, the rest of his life is actually more in the scripture. There's more years than what, than what we've, the first part. The first part was three and a half years And uh, there was at least ten more years, most likely ten more years of his life before he was taken up to heaven in a chariot. And that's interesting to me. You know, it's not like you read this, oh, well, the next day this happened, the next day, no. I think this is one of the things I wanted to say to to us this morning is... Lots of times when we read the scripture, we think these things are, you know, every day this is happening this day. It's like the book of Acts. The book of Acts, when you read the book of Acts, chapter 1 is year 1. Chapter 2 is year 2. All the way up to chapter 10. That's from chapter 1 to chapter 10 in the book of Acts is 10 years. So you got ten years of things that that are recorded in ten chapters, and it seems like you know everything's happening, and and you wonder what's wrong with your life. Why does God touch me here and then it seems like a year? You hear know what I'm saying? So I want to encourage you, you know, don't compress the Bible down into to this really short story, a cliff notes version of things. It's it's really a, a there's a lot more that that happened. Then we know about, but these are the things we are supposed to know about, the things that are recorded. But every, every day wasn't like some explosive thing happening. Does that make sense? So the Lord spoke to Elijah, and immediately, it doesn't say it, but immediately the issue of Jezebel, the, the issue of fear, the issue of failure in his life was lifted off of him. He wasn't afraid anymore. He had a vision. He had something cooking in his heart again. And all that other stuff that was pulling him down and making him feel discouraged uh, was offing him. And so this is what happened next after the Lord spoke to him. It says he, So he departed from there. He departed from the cave and found Elisha. Because one of the things the Lord told him to do, he told him to do, like, go and take your mantle and put it upon Elisha because he's going to take you over your ministry. And then he mentioned two kings you're going to anoint. So Elijah got a promotion, okay, at that moment. He was, he, I think I mentioned that. It was, it was, he had called fire down. He had raised a boy from the dead. He had miraculously provided for food. But now God was promoting him to a whole different level of ministry, where he was actually setting kings in places. And he was raising up somebody to take over his ministry. That's really, really important. And that's why Elisha's is important. Let me read this. Uh, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and was with the 12. And everybody, uh, you know, says because it was 12 yoke of oxen, this was a, these weren't poor people, <laughs> you know, These weren't poor people with a mule or a donkey. These were people who had a lot of money, enough. It was like having a big old tractor with big wide, you know, them big wide discs you see that fold out. And the tractor has a a cab on it that's air conditioned. Like a, you know, these are like, it ain't some guy who's running this tractor and it's barely working and you're, you know, got clothes clothes hangers. (laughs) Like I used to have my lawnmower, it was held together by clothes hangers. So this man, Elisha, was with a wealthy family. Okay, this is, this is really important. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He threw his mantle on him. So Elisha, and so Elisha wasn't no dumb person. Everybody knew uh, Elijah was a famous man, and, and the people that, that day understood that man's mantle represented his. Ministry represented his calling. So when he threw that thing on him, Elisha knew what what Elijah was doing. He knew that he was placing his calling. He was calling him to to follow him and to f- calling him into this ministry that Elijah had. So you know it wasn't like he was just dumb to it. And, uh, and it says he left the ox. Oxen and ran after Elijah and said, "Please, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you." And he, being Elijah, said to him, "Go back again for what have I done to you? Go back again. That seems kind of abrupt, right? Go back again for what have I done to you. Okay, so here's what that means. Because um, yeah, I, I thought, well, what does this statement mean? I've really I researched it quite a bit. Uh, and, and what it is, what they, uh, people who know stuff, they believe it's like an idiom, which, you know, is the language of the day, the language of, and, and it could be translated like this. Go back and bid farewell, for I, for I have done something very important to you, but think carefully on what I have done to you, for your call is not from me, but from God. Your call is not from me, but from God. So what Elijah was trying to tell Elisha, listen, man, because God appointed Elisha. He was, he was trying to tell him, listen, this is not something I'm just doing. This is something God's doing. So you really need to consider this. You need to take this seriously because this is an opportunity for you. And you can either respond to it or not, but you really need to think about it. You need to pray about it. You need to really consider it because it's going to cost you to do this. It's going to cost you, and you need, to take it, you need to take it really seriously because those opportunities don't come every day. And so, listen, this is something, you know, this is, this is what Jesus taught, right? This is what he taught. You know, he taught that it's, there's a cost to following Christ. It's going to cost you. Nobody likes that, right? Everybody, want, everybody thinks we're going to follow Christ and everything's going to be great. But for Elisha, here was his cost. He he lived in a wealthy family. had a nice lifestyle, obviously. And he had to give all that up to go and follow Elijah, who had nothing in terms of, of, of the worldly goods, you know, the, the comforts. And as far as having a future, what is my future? His future was in question. What is my future going to look like? Where, where now, Elisha had a pretty understanding of what his future. Obviously, apparently, his future was... He was going to take over the family business one day and own all of that and, and, and live as a wealthy man, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But now, suddenly, he's thrown into an uncertain future. Yeah. And so that's something I think, you know, that people need to think about. Anyways, let me keep going. So, Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using... The oxen's equipment. In, in other words, what he was saying, he was taking the very things he was using for the livelihood and burned it up and, and gave it to the people and they ate it. Uh, and then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Wow. He arose and became his servant. So that's how Elisha got to follow Elijah. Now, here's the thing. If, you go, if we're going to really understand, are you all tracking with this? Yeah. There's, there's a lot in this, and I had to be careful. Rebecca fuss at me for giving up too, too, saying too much. But there's a lot in this story, okay? And I think really this, I think this is key right here for us really understanding the, the real vital thing about Elijah, okay? About what the spirit of Elijah is all about, and what God really what in, what's in God's heart about Elijah is. Is I don't think we can really ever understand Elijah without Elisha. I think Elisha gives us definition for what really God, when we talk about having the spirit and power of Elijah, what it really is, what it's really about. You see, it wasn't, and I think I've said this, it wasn't about just Elijah calling fire down like we like to think. That's what we like to think, you know, all his his power. There was something even in God's eyes even greater. And Elisha is the one who reveals us to what is really in God's heart. You know... Let me read this. This is what it is. It's, I'm gonna, this is another verse. Malachi 4. And you all know this, but I'm just going to act like you don't, okay? If you already know all this, just pretend you don't know it. Like, just, i never heard that before. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will, what? Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse notice what it didn't say it didn't say he was going to call fire down it says because in god's heart god was happy with the fire coming down and god would still do that i'm not disdaining that but what i am saying there's something more important to god is that is is this same the father's heart being a father becoming a father and that's what Elijah became to Elisha. That's why I say Elijah is important to Elisha. Elisha is important to Elijah and Elijah's important to Elisha. Because it reveals the heart. It reveals this thing that God wants released in the earth. And something that I feel like God has been working for years in the church to release is a revelation of God himself as the Father but not only himself as a father, but releasing that spirit of Elijah into us where we begin to carry a heart of of a father. And we begin to look at the next generation like a father does. Because that's what a father does. A father looks at the children, right? He looks at the offspring. He looks like at the generation below him. And he has a heart for them. He has a heart to help them. He has a heart to provide for them. That's what a father does. And that's what God the Father does. And that's the heart that God, because he says if this doesn't happen, if, if God doesn't see this, this is what causes a curse in the earth. When his heart is not released into people, it will cause difficulty to happen in the earth. And that's what's wrong in the world today, I think, in a lot of ways. Because, because we're like a fatherless people. Yes. And, the, and I'm talking about people in the world and the church. It's like we're fatherless. And a lot of people get messed up in their life because they lack this father figure. Naturally, and I know we've talked about it, and again, it's humoring me like you he never heard about this before. But it's really important. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor about another friend of ours who's a, a, a pastor. But he gets in trouble all the time. And this is what my friend said, Byron, he's a fatherless figure. That's all he is. That's his problem. His problem is not the things we, like, you know, you need to stop doing that and stop saying that. You know, that's stupid, you know, because the guy has a really powerful anointing on him. So he gets all these people together, because he's so powerfully anointed, and then he does some ridiculous thing and creates havoc over and over and over. And But it was because he really doesn't have that revelation of, of the Father working in his life. And so you see with Elijah, that's what Elijah... That's what his promotion was. His promotion was not somebody just doing miraculous and awesome things. His promotion was to become a father. The greatest fire that Elijah ever started was not on Mount Carmel. The greatest fire he ever started was the fire he put into Elisha's heart. That was his greatest fire because that fire burned a long time after Elijah was dead and gone. well, he never died. <laughs> a long time after he jumped up to heaven on the chariot. That fire was on the earth still. That fire still burns. That fire never left. That was, what, that was the fire that John the Baptist carried, that same fire, is to prepare people for the Father and to connect people with him. And see, that's really what God's looking for. That's why Elijah is such a key figure. And that's why what he did with Elisha is vital. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's really the Lord. I know that. I, I believe that. Um, here's one thing I did say. Elijah needed Elisha as much as Elisha needed Elijah. Here's something I read recently. This is on average. And this is in the church world, not necessarily the business world. On average... Thirty percent of church leaders finish well. Thirty percent. Now that doesn't mean the other seventy percent went out and committed some atrocity, but they don't finish well. And I'm going to tell you something. You get around a lot of older men that are involved in some kind of ministry, and they're all going and women. They're all going to say the same thing. It's going to come up in the conversation. I just want to finish well. I've heard it a million. In fact, when Ken Helser came to the men's meeting. Couple of weeks ago, sit down. We started talking. F- five minutes in, this is what he said to me, Byron. I just want to finish well. He's seventy-two years old. I just want to finish well. Jim Hill said it to me a thousand times. So many times, like, shut up, Jim. You're going to finish well. Don't talk to me about it no more. <laughs> Becky was talking to the other me. I want to finish because she's not that old, but but she was saying I want to finish well. I've said it a million times too to myself. Like, you need to finish well. You know, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. I don't, want, I don't want to be. I want to be in that thirty percent. And one and Paul. This is what Paul said. Paul said, "I don't want to have preached to others and be disqualified myself." He knew himself. That's what his way of saying. I need to finish well. I need to finish this thing out. And one of the ways we're going to finish well. There's many ways, but one of the ways that Elijah was able to finish well is he became a father. He began to look to the next generation. And begin to give what he was given to them. And I feel like, this is the way I really feel. I feel a concern in the church. Is I don't really see that enough. I don't see that heart in most people. Most people are struggling with their own ministry, Struggling themselves to make it. Okay? And that you spend so much of your life scrapping and clawing to make it. When you forget there's a whole other generation that needs What you have, what you're carrying. Because what you're having, carrying, if you don't release it to them, it'll end with you. And Elijah's ministry did not end with him. In fact, Elijah's showing up on the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, well, he's coming back still. He's still not finished. And I believe it's because he carried carried the heart. Are you all okay? So one thing I think there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. I just don't, I feel like when we get that, you can retire from your company, right? Or, you know, doing something like that would be great if you got money. If you don't, you might have some problems living on Social Security, right? But I don't think we can ever retire in the kingdom of God. I think when, when we're done, we're done. I think we're done when God calls us home. That's God's retirement plan. Oh, you're done now. Come on, <laughs> you know. So I want to encourage you, you know, to be that. Here's another thing. I wrote this down because people are always talking to me about teaching, you know, wanting to be teachers. Ah, it's like we can teach many things, but we can only impart what we have received ourselves. You know, if Paul said uh, you have. You might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't do not have many fathers. See, we need to teaching is awesome. I think you know we can teach a lot of things. Okay, anybody in this room, you've got something to teach. Either it's, it could be natural, it could be spiritual. You know, you can get around people. You realize they have a teaching gift. They may not be a teacher anywhere, but they start talking to you, and you realize that guy's got a teaching gift because he starts explaining all this stuff to you, right? And just all this, you know, because they love to communicate. They love that's that's the gift of teaching. But not many people are fathers, because see, what a father a father can teach, but that's not really what a father does. A father imparts. Think of all the things that Elijah walked through. Think of all you know you know how he heard God speak to him to go out into the. You know, by the brook, and how he got to know God by the brook, and you know when there was birds bringing it, ravens bringing him food. Uh, you know, and how he heard God t- go to the widow and how he raised the child from the dead and how he called fire down. He had all that experience he was carrying in him and he was able to communicate that. Not just teach him, well, Elisha, this is how you call fire down from heaven. You, you, here's the scriptures and here's how you do it. No, no, he had done it and he was able to give him that. Elisha would have never been able to do the miracles he did without sitting under somebody who was able to impart this miraculous anointing that he carried in his heart. You you can't teach people into that. You know, teaching helps them understand it, helps them function in it. In fact, some of the greatest prophetic people I know are bad prophets because they don't understand, they, they haven't been taught how to prophesy. So they'll do bad, you know, they'll just be, you know... Becky's mom was very much a powerful prophetess, but she didn't understand how to communicate it in a way where people could get it. And so people would think she was kooky and, you know, what you know, you're out of touch, and you're just an old babbling old woman, but really she was speaking the word of the Lord all the time you're about. But she didn't have an adequate about her. She didn't have her. Nobody had taken time to teach her that. And so that's where teaching comes in. Are you okay? Yeah. You know, so and that's part of what Elijah did with Elijah. He taught him, but he really imparted something to him, and that's much more important. I don't think y'all are doing so good. <laughs> y'all are sleeping on me. Yeah. So here's another thing: uh, we need to be both Elijah and Elisha. Everybody in this room has a call in their life to be an Elijah. To, to, to disciple somebody, to mentor somebody, to raise somebody up. And everybody in this room needs to be an Elisha. Everybody in this room needs people speaking into their life as a father would speak in their life. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the spiritual fathers that I have been personally blessed that spoke into my life at critical moments. There was a man years ago named Tony Nash. I was thinking about him. And Tony Nash was kind of a, kind of a crazy guy. You know, he was from England, and he, he was sort of a comedian. Uh, he wasn't a really a great preacher, in my opinion. But I'll tell you one thing. When you sat down with Tony and spent time with him, it was like sitting down and talking to your daddy. And Tony was the kind of guy, he would not cut you an inch of slack if you were doing something or saying something that wasn't right. He'd call you out on it. I mean, he called me out one time, first time I ever met him in front of everybody. <laughs> It was embarrassing. This is what happened. We were in this group of people, i got to tell you this. And we were going to go out to eat. And Becky said, where do you want to go eat yet, honey? I said, I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? And Tony said, stop. That is not right what you just did to her. She asked you a question. Answer her. Lead her. Be the husband. I'm like, okay. I mean, there was a bunch of people around. I think my face was probably boiling red. I didn't get mad at him because I knew when he said it to me, it, it wasn't me. There was this love. There was this care coming from him trying to help me be what I was supposed to be because obviously he was watching me and realizing that guy, he ain't really handling his marriage very well. But I got to spend years with that guy. He would come and preach and stay at my house, and I'd get, get to talk to him, and he would just tell me stuff about me. He was really a father to me, and uh, and he's still today. He he's old. He's kind of gotten decrepit, believe it or not. He was really like an athlete, but he that's what he does now. And he lives down in Florida. Men and women go to him as a father, leaders, and it's, it's it was just amazing. And then there was Bob Jones, man. I mean, Bob Jones. It wasn't like Bob Jones' preaching was not the main thing in my life. It was being with Bob Jones, sitting in his house, talking to him, listening to him, asking him questions, letting him talk to me. And and those were life-changing moments for me. Those were the things that really made a difference in my life, is having somebody who really cared about me enough to talk to me about me and look into my life and see this potential in me and, and keep calling it forth. That's what a father does. They look at people and they don't put them down. They try to call forth what they see in them. And speak, you know, destiny over. Now, you can't be a father to everybody, obviously. Jesus had 12 people. He was, you know, you see what I'm saying? You, you, can't, you can't mentor everybody. But God can show you people. God can show you potential in people. Okay, when you begin to see potential in somebody and see God on that potential, that's God speaking to you about you really need to help that person because he's showing you something about them. Are you all right? Yeah. I'm really trying to encourage you today to really step up. Everybody in this room, I don't care how old you are, there's somebody that needs you. There's somebody somewhere that needs your words, that needs what you have, what you're carrying. And if you really want to make an impact, if you want to finish well, you need to really shift your mindset into, into being a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. You need to shift and begin to hope for that. I will admit this. Are y'all okay? Yes. I will admit this. Even when I was just a struggling, clawing Christian, I had this gift. I think it's a gift from God that I could look at people and see potential in them. I could look at somebody and I had this, this thing to help people. Uh, to get where they were going. I don't know what it was, but I would just have this thing where I could see, him, like, like, I know that guy could be a pastor. I can help him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help him. I, even, I can remember one time even going to a guy's house who had fallen away. But I saw this potential in him and went and said, man, you can't, you can't keep living like this. So he, we were doing this home group. He started coming to our home group, and he brought his prostitute girlfriend with him, and she got saved. But it was because I saw this potential in this guy. And so, but let, but let me tell you the downside of this. The downside is the Apostle Paul went on his first missionary journey with Barnabas and he took John Mark, okay, with him. And about halfway into this journey, John Mark decided he didn't like what was happening. He went home. Okay? He went home. and And then the next time... Uh, Paul wants to go on his second missionary journey. Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark, and Paul wouldn't do it. That's how Paul and Barnabas got in a big argument and split over it. And and apparently, when you read the Scriptures, you go through the story of John Mark in the Scripture, Paul at one point would not have anything to do with John Mark. But guess who would? Peter. Peter went after John Mark. And because of Peter, that's why they called Mark's gospel the gospel of Peter because Peter became a spiritual father to John Mark who was rejected by the Apostle Paul. It would be like being rejected by Billy Graham. Like, don't mess with Byron Wicker. I'm calling all the churches. In fact, there's a point where Paul said, he went back and said, hey, this guy's a good guy now. If you go and study it. So let me just say this. There's going to be failure in all this. There's going to be disappointment in all this trying to help people because a lot of people won't respond to you or they'll respond and then they'll back off so there are going to be some heartbreak like any father in the natural every father every mother in this room knows what raising children is like you know the heartbreak you know the disappointment it's the same thing in the kingdom of God you are going to be disappointed your heart's going to be broken but that should not stop you because it doesn't stop you as a parent You keep loving your kids. You keep going after them. You keep trying to provide for them no matter what they do. Most people do. Are you all all right? Lord help us. Yes and amen. So here, i got a couple more minutes. Or or maybe I should stop. I don't know. Uh, I did want to say a couple of things. I've been just wearing you all out about being fathers. I want to wear you out about being Elisha. Here's interesting. This is an interesting thing. In the Bible... Every person that God has called in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, was somebody who was working. Every one of them. Think about it. Think about Moses. What was he doing when he saw the burning bush? He was tending his father-in-law's sheep. Think about David when he got called to be anointed as king. What was he doing? Tending the sheep out in the wilderness. Think about Joseph, the dreamer. The Bible says Joseph began to have those dreams as he was tending his father's sheep. What a sheep herder. Gideon. What was Gideon doing when this angel appeared to him? He was threshing wheat to get food. Ruth. What was Ruth doing? Ruth did sit in her house with Naomi to starve to death. No, she got up one day and said, I'm going to go find some food for us to eat. And, and she found Boaz instead. She found food. She found everything. I love that story. She went out to find a handful of barley to eat. She got the whole field. She owned it before it was over with. Because she was doing something. Jesus called what? Peter, James, John, and Andrew were all fishermen when they got called. Matthew was a tax collector. It doesn't tell us the details about the other callings. The point is this. Elisha was working And it's somehow in God's heart, when he sees somebody who's doing something, who has this heart to work, who's willing to put forth effort. Instead of, you know, it didn't say Elijah went to Elisha's house in the middle of the day when he should have been working, but he was watching soap operas. or No, he was on social media now. He was (laughs) scanning his Facebook feed in the middle of the day when he should have been out plowing. That's how Elijah found him and called him. Now he probably would have just skipped over him. Like, we ain't doing him, God. He ain't working. He's got a lot of work to do if he's going to hang with me. <laughs> so, you know, that's really something God really wants to put in us is this heart to work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's a good thing. That's, a, that's, that's why the Bible gives us that illustration that God's looking for people. Because I believe God's created in every one of us a heart to work. I believe our true redeemed spiritual self is this this thing in us that just not want to just not do anything with our life. That we want to do something, we want to make a difference. We want to get out and work and do and provide and take care of the basic things, but we want to go way beyond that. And I think that's really kind of hard that God's looking for in all of us, because I think that's the heart God's put in us, because God was a worker. God didn't take a weekend off, he took one day off. He worked six days. You know, we want to work five forty. We're done. We need to a couple two days. I'm all into that. I'll take three or four, if, if necessary. Give me ten. Give me. Give me five days <laughs> Not really. I think most people. Once I was out of work for six months, and I was miserable. I couldn't find a job. I couldn't. It was in the, back in the '80s when there was a recession, and I can literally remember on Sunday nights talking to friends like, "Well, I got to go to work tomorrow." They were complaining, I was thinking, oh God, I wish I had a job to go to. And it wasn't just because I needed the income, it was because my heart needed it. My heart needed to be working. My heart needed to be occupied. My heart needed to feel like I was doing something with my life. And see, that's what, what God was looking for, because God saw and God put that heart in Elisha. And so I really want to encourage you to, be, to have that heart. Have a heart to work because God's given us a heart to work. And God will make a way for you somehow. I think that's really cool. Um, another thing about Elisha um, was he was known as... This, let me just finish. I need to finish, okay? I'm feeling some, some anxiousness. Let me read Second Kings. Especially when I talk about work and nobody wants to go to work. <laughs> and I'm like, I work. why is he preaching about working? Well, I will say this. The most, one of the blessings in my life about my three kids and the three people they married, they're all really hard workers. And and it wasn't like I said, y'all need to be hard workers. But they do have this heart to work, every one of them. They're diligent about working. They're diligent about what they're doing. And I, that's really been a big blessing in my life. When I think about my kids, I think when I count my blessings about them and about who they are and what they're doing. That's one of the things that comes up to me is that they're all really hard workers and I'm really happy about that. I'm so thankful that God has done that for them and I think any parent would be. And I think God is really happy and blessed when he sees that heart in us to really want to work, work, you know, naturally and work in his kingdom. Um, But here's the thing about, like I said, it was probably 10 years from the moment Elijah threw that mantle on Elisha to the day Elisha picked that mantle up and struck the Jordan River and parted it, it's probably 10 years. In other words, it didn't happen overnight for him. And the Bible tells us that Elijah spent years serving. Elisha spent years serving Elijah. This is what it says. I love this. This is years down the road after Elijah's long gone to heaven and Elisha's already the established prophet in his place. And there was a situation that happened. And the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, this is what he says, say 2 Kings 3.11, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire the Lord by him? And so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elisha. That meant this man served Elijah for years. He poured waters on his hand. He, served, he did many things to support Elijah. And now, at the, at the end, I mean, after Elijah's gone and Elisha's now the prophet, that's where they said, This is a guy who served. He was a servant, and God raised him up. To be now a prophet who, by the way, did twice the number of miracles that Elijah did. Exactly. And the last one, everybody, I'm just going to tell you this. The last miracle, I think he did 12. Was it 12? Yeah. Or 14. One of them. Anyways, he did all of them in his life except one. (laughs) Didn't didn't quite get finished. But God made sure he finished because one day they were burying a guy. And some raiders came and they had to sling his body into the tomb. And it happened to be right next to Elijah's or Elisha's bones. And when they slung him in there, he came alive. So he raised a man from the dead just because of an anointing that was resting on his bone. I thought that's so cool. God always fulfills his word, right? Isn't that cool how God does stuff? But he did it. And he actually ministered twice as long as Elijah. So he carried this double, this double anointing on his life. Okay? He carried this double anointing on his life. It was just really awesome. And so here's a couple of things I would want to encourage people. Like, one, if if you want to be successful in life, okay, it's really great to hang around people who are not successful so they might catch some of your success. But if you want to be successful in any area of your life, you need to find people who are successful in that area and hang around with them. That's what you need to do. You need to find people. If you want to be spiritual, find spiritual people. And befriend those people. And tell them, I, I like what you have. I want some of what you've got. Can I hang around with you? And just start hanging around and Befriend them. And you'll, it'll get, you'll get it. It'll rub off on you. I promise you, if you'll do that. But if you're hanging around naysayers all the time, negative people all the time, if that's all you're doing, it's going to pull you down. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to hang around naysayers because they need help, but we need to hang around with this heart to help them, not this heart where they're going to influence us and drag us down. And so I think that's that's really another important thing I would say to anybody who wants to um, really be known in the kingdom. Uh, and I think God wants us all to be known in the kingdom. Uh, I think the thing about pouring water on Elijah's hand is having a, you know, a servant's heart, being willing to to serve somebody and serve something that God's doing, just being willing to be humble like that. And I think that's how God wants to raise people up. Are y'all okay? Y'all y'all looking unhappy now. Okay, we're gonna end this. It's one o'clock. That's what Becky's saying. It's not one o'clock, it's twelve o'clock. See <laughs> all right, let's stand up. We'll be we'll be done. I'm gonna pray for you. It's 11 o'clock. Really, that, It really is 11 o'clock. I don't care what that clock says about that, right? <laughs> now, I promise you, your boss in the morning is not going for this business about that. Because I know a friend of mine who tried that one time. Well, my clock said, because he came to work, he didn't come to work on time. He got there late because of the time change. And the boss said, Well, my, let me just tell you what my watch says. My watch says you're staying an hour extra today to make up for it. <laughs> Yes, Lord. How many people in this room feel like the one that you need an Elijah in your life? Just be honest. If you feel that, raise your hand. Like, I, Lord, I need that person. I feel that. When Bob Jones passed away, I, I lost my Elijah. And, and one of the last things he told me a couple weeks before he died, last conversation, he said, God never takes anybody without replacing the other. And I'm thinking, Lord, where the world? You know, this is, it's been, you know, three years. And I don't. I've got people speaking in my life, but I don't feel like I, I've not been able to replace him. It's like trying to replace Elijah. You can't replace him. But I, I feel uh, in my life, I want that. I seek that. There's men now I go to that I crave their input in my life. I want that. And I, I, and I think that's the desire, to just to have that. Lord, I, I feel like I need people that can speak into my life and talk to me and help me really be the person you've called me to be. That's such a needed thing in the church. And we need that father's heart to be that, but we also need the the heart of a child to desire that. Because children really desire that. So so do you feel if you feel you want that, just raise your hand. Like Lord, I, I, I need that Lord. Lord give me that. Give me that. Lord. And when that Elijah comes, let me be like Elisha. Let me take it serious and, and realize that this is an opportunity, that this person's reached out, or however it works, and it's really you reaching out to me, Lord. Mm. Take advantage when the Lord reaches out to you. When the Lord offers you something, take advantage of it. Don't get in your little thinking and how you think your life should go. Don't think that way. Let, take advantage. And, and so, also, I wanted to say this, for, pray for you. But how many in, in this room just feel in their heart, they feel like this, that you really do carry. You carry something in you that you know could help the next generation. That you've got life experience. You've got experiences in God that you would really love for God to provide some Elishas for you. Raise your hand if you feel like you're that person. I think a lot of you are really, but so I, I just pray, Lord. Convince the ones who haven't raised their hands, but those who've raised their hands, Lord, these are the ones who feel even this day that they're carrying a, carrying the heart of a father or the heart of the mother, and they really want, they want to be able to release it. I pray you bring Elisha into their life. I pray, Lord, you bring anointing into people who are hungry, people who are desirous that they could begin to impact. Lord, we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. All righty. Dino, Gino, you want to come out here and close out the service and you know put that phone up, Dean.
1: <laughs> I just have to ask you something. Are y'all all right? Father, we thank you that you are such a good, good God. And you're so faithful. Lord, I just thank you for giving these messages to Byron week after week after week. Lord, it's, it's, it's such a blessing to, to be able to sit here and receive this wisdom, Lord, and, and these teachings. I, I just pray for everyone here. What an awesome word this morning. But Lord, let us not leave here and when asked, what was, this, what was the message about this morning? I, don't, I remember it was really good, but I don't remember what it was. Lord, let us, let us take this with us all week long. Lord, let us be looking for Elijah's in our life, and let us be looking for the Elisha's in our life, Lord God. I pray that you give everyone here who raised their hand opportunity to both be Elijah's and Elisha's, Lord God. And, and I'm thinking, the, the, his Elisha's ministry was twice as long, and Elisha did twice as many miracles. And what did Elisha ask of Elijah? Give me a double portion. Give me a double portion. Mm. Father, we pray this morning, your faithfulness to Elisha for asking for the double portion, and he's like Elijah was a man just like us, Lord. We ask you for a double portion, a double portion, Lord God, to be able to receive a double portion, but Lord, to be able to impart a double portion. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. If we could have the ministry team come up, and if there's anyone who wants prayer for that or prayer for anything. And for those who don't, you can be dismissed to go out and play in the snow.